Hey everyone, before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that I created a new fun little resource for you. If you've been here before, you know that I love creating stuff in Canva and I also love reading and listening to books. And what I created is my ultimate guide to my top four books related to creativity and healing that I wish I would have read in grad school. So I called it the Innovative Therapist Book Guide. It's totally free. It's going to guide you through my top four books. I bet maybe one you'll be expecting, but I bet some of the other ones you'll be pretty surprised about. So uh, yeah, I'd love to hear what your guesses were and what you ended up thinking of my top four books that I'd recommend you read. If you want to think outside the box, think innovatively about human relationships and how we can heal ourselves and heal the world. So grab it for free at drhondorp.com forward slash books. That's D-R-H-O-N-D-O-R-P.com forward slash books. And I can't wait to hear what you think. All right, let's dive into the episode. All right, welcome back to the Motivation Made Easy podcast. I have a really special guest today. Today, I'm going to be talking with Natalie Deering, who is a licensed mental health provider, has a private practice, ND Wellness Psychological Services in Fort Thomas, Kentucky, which is Northern Kentucky, right by Cincinnati, right? For mm-hmm. those of us who didn't, I, I know that now, um, and <laughs> she, <laughs> just in case anyone's curious. Um And she specializes in working with people that have complex trauma, anxiety, and stress using internal family systems therapy. And Natalie is the host of a relatively newer podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about this. An IFS informed wellness podcast called That Wellness Podcast. And um, where she interviews amazing people, um, really cool interviews that you've done, some of which I've listened to and some of which are on my to listen list um, within the wellness field, IFS and everything in between. Um, And I didn't know this in reading your bio, but Natalie also helps clients build resilience by gaining access to inner healing potential by using um, IFS internal family systems with meditation, skill building and movement. So I think that's super cool. I have an interest in using movement and I've done it a little bit outside the therapy room, but, um, yeah, I think that's, that is very needed that like synergy of mm-hmm. that. So I think that's awesome. Um, so we get a lot we can talk about today. I, we've talked before, this isn't the only time I've ever talked with Natalie, but, um, I'm really excited to have this conversation. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Sean. I'm so excited yet yeah, to be on your podcast. It's an honor and I'm excited to get into talking about all the things, IFS, meditation, wherever we go. Yeah. There's so many places we could take it. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd love to start with just, um, you telling us some of your, your backstory, um, How'd you get to be where you are today, wherever you want to start? Yeah, I was pondering about that question, you know, as we were kind of talking through an outline of things we'd like to touch on. And I was looking at that question and immediately parts of me were like, oh, man, that's a big one. (laughs) (laughs) Where do I begin? How did I get here? So I I guess maybe I'll start with, (laughs) I was like, I was born and raised in Northern Kentucky. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, great. (laughs) Born and raised in Northern Kentucky. Um, haven't I? I live here now, but I I didn't live here 
my entire life thus far. I, I, I moved to Lexington, Kentucky for the for undergraduate at University of Kentucky. And I lived there for almost 20 years. I loved it. I don't know if you or the listeners are familiar with Lexington, Kentucky, but it is so much fun. It's a beautiful city, beautiful area. And then I got married to my husband. We had our son and it was right before the pandemic. I mean, I'm talking like he was born January 28th, 2020. And then, you know, a month later, March happens. And we had, we have sons born in the same month. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I forgot. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, you understand. And so, you know, we were both away from our families and then as the virtual world opened up and I was starting to do my work virtually from home, he was also doing the same. And now we have a newborn and the daycares are all closed. So we made the decision to move from Lexington to Northern Kentucky, which is where I'm at now, which is where I'm from. I'm very grateful that my family is here and so, so grateful that they had the time and space to be able to watch our son during that time of the pandemic. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, we are right next to Cincinnati, Ohio. And I was working as a mental health therapist at Eastern Kentucky University at their counseling center for 10 years. Loved it love the environment of working at a university. It's just so great. And it was hard to make that transition to, uh, you know, working in my own private practice. I was feeling like it was time. Like I had already started to do that part-time while still working full-time at the university. And so it just kind of worked out really well when the pandemic did happen. Oddly enough, it was kind of like a forced push from the universe to be like, okay, now you have to you have to do this full time now because we yeah. moved, you know, we mm-hmm. made that decision to move and then you know, the counseling center was great. And they, because everything was virtual anyway, they were like, well, you can still work for us, you know, virtually mm-hmm. for maybe that first year. So that's what I did. It was really, again, just like a nice kind of ease into doing my own private practice, which I do full time now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so started doing my own private practice therapy, um, specializing in internal family systems therapy. I started getting into that, I'd say maybe four years ago now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was, it's funny. Cause like, I look back at how I got introduced to it. And the first time I got introduced to it was actually in my yoga teacher training. Hmm. And, but I, but it didn't hit me then it just planted a seed. Now that I look back, our, our yoga teacher mentor, she mentioned it and I guess it got stuck in there somewhere. And then I kept going about my life doing therapy the way I was doing therapy. And then as I started doing my private practice on the side, I had a client come in and they were like, have you ever heard of IFS? And I was like, no, I don't think so. And they showed me within a complex PTSD workbook where it talked about internal family systems therapy. And I read that page and I was like, and again, I think it hit on that little seed that had already been there, Mm -hmm. you know, subconsciously. And then it just started to grow. Mm -hmm. And from that, I just like went down the rabbit hole of reading all the books, taking all the trainings that I could uh, before it was actually like me taking like a level one and uh, listening to the podcasts out there that talk about IFS And I just really fell in love with it. And now in the work that I do, 
it's very much a mixture of IFS and, um, you know, you mentioned meditation. Mm -hmm. I went through my certification as a meditation instructor when I worked at the university and I was actually leading guided meditations two to three times a week for years and years and years for students, faculty, and staff. And I loved it. It was one of my favorite things that I did when working there. And I really, I've really missed it even still to this day, just having that group environment Mm -hmm. of, yeah, people getting together and meditating. Mm. (laughs) IFS and meditation go hand in hand. It's a very uh, meditative way of, of doing therapy, quote unquote, and just turning in and connecting with our, our system of our parts and everything. So, so yeah, I incorporate meditation, which we we can get into talking about more of that in depth in our conversation. And, and then with my experience with yoga, uh, in terms of that now it's more of like my office space, like I'm looking, I'm in my office right now and I'm looking in front of me and I always have two yoga mats out. My office is big enough. I wanted to have a big enough office where I could always have some mats out where it's an invitation for clients who I'm seeing in person to, if they're feeling like, all right, I need to move as I'm connecting with this part of me, or I need to can you please help guide me in some movements with my breath in order to maybe help feel more centered, more grounded to my self energy. Then that's what I love to, to have an invitation and a space for that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's just a little bit about uh, kind of how I'm running my practice and all of that now. And yeah, also doing the podcast. I've been doing that since February of 2023. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's and been a while now. It's like almost a year. Yeah. Coming up almost a year. year. I knew it was newer, but not, not mm-hmm. too new anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Almost a year. And I've really loved it. It's just been really fun to interview all these people that I just find so interesting. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. I love it. It's again, we could get more in depth about my journey yeah. and that because that was a whole journey for me as well, leading up to actually doing the podcast, which involved a lot of my own IFS work with my IFS therapist in order to help me get there. <laughs> yeah, I remember you mentioning that. So yes, I have lots of places I want to go. Well, let's start there and work backwards because I do want to ask. Um, first of all, I wanted to ask the question of you know, I, as I briefly mentioned before we hit record, <laughs> I've always sort of had an urge to do various things besides one-on-one therapy. Um, I eventually, the podcast is something that I started and still do, and I absolutely love, but I've tried a lot of other things, meaning mm-hmm. like I tried to have an online course and kind of a group coaching program. I, I continue to make various like workbooks, some of which one of which I sell for a very small amount, but mostly like they're free and like a lot of freebies and like, Mm -hmm. uh, what else have I done? Like just in terms of like other ways outside of the one-on-one model to -hmm. connect people with these concepts, um, besides the podcast, 
have you delved into any of those other things or, um, or not? Yeah. You know, that's so it's interesting. Yeah. You're asking this question. Cause I have, I do have some stuff to talk about that <laughs> and it involves tarot card readers <laughs> Okay, <laughs> where basically I had like a couple things in my mind as I was, you know, going into my private practice full time, like you, I was kind of like, okay, I could do retreats. I could do workshops. And I had all these things in mind. Yeah. Oh yeah. Those have both and, been on my list too. <laughs> right. Yeah. I had podcast. So I had, mm-hmm. there were four specific things at first it was podcasting, uh, workshops, retreats, and then ketamine assisted psychotherapy. Those were like mm-hmm. the four things that were on mm-hmm. my mind, but because they were those four things, that's a lot to take on all at once. So parts yes. of me were like feeling overwhelmed and was just not doing any of it. <laughs> and so I went to this event one night and this was, when was this? I guess maybe this was January, it was mid January, 2023. And it was an event for uh, female entrepreneurs in the Cincinnati area. It was this big event, the year project, I think, and tons of amazing people there with, you know, having tables of information about their services. And they had these three great speakers and there was this woman there. Her name's Nikki Slattery. I've had her on the podcast, actually. She's a tarot card reader. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I just feel drawn to just chatting with her because I'm just so curious about if I can get some clarity on what the heck am I going to do here, you know, regarding these four (laughs) things, because the whole event was kind of focusing on business, Mm -hmm. your business in particular. And so I got to have a five minute free consultation with her during that event, five minutes. And Mm -hmm. I sat down and I said, these are the four things. And she said, okay, great. And then she did her thing and she had me pull four cards Mm -hmm. and I laid them down, flipped them so we could see what it was. But as I pulled each one, it was like specifically for one of each of those four things. Right. Okay. So she was like, okay, pull the first card and that's going to be representing the podcast. Okay. Pull the second card. That's for workshops. Third one retreats. Fourth one ketamine. Yeah. So then we look at them and it was, it was so helpful regardless of how you believe in tarot or not for that moment, for me, it was helpful for my system to have some guidance Mm -hmm. and some uh, feedback based on what I pulled. And so Mm -hmm. what came out of that was the podcast card was, I think it's what's known as the star card. And she was like, you have to do this. Mm. She was like, based on what this card is representing, you need to do this this would be very much in alignment with who you are, your intentions, your curiosities. You know, she just was like, you would, you would enjoy this. And that was already though, just clarifying what was already there inside of me. Yeah, sure. And so it was validating. Yeah. And so then it was like, oh, okay, great. And it was really like motivating in that moment to be like, yep. All right. Okay. Let's go for that. Then the second card Like the workshops, I forget which one I pulled. I think it was the tower card, which people listening, (laughs) the tower is basically like, no, (laughs) don't do do that. It could lead to, and the way she described it is she was like, at this point in your career, she was like, if you try to offer workshops 
you're not going to get anywhere. She was like, you're going to put in so much effort and so much time and you're not going to get a return. Mm-hmm. So she's like, just keep that in your back pocket for later on mm-hmm. in your career. Mm-hmm. And then same thing with retreats. Mm-hmm. She was like, you're going to put in a lot of effort and it's not going to have the payoff yet. So yeah. she was like, just keep those mm-hmm. in the back. Sure. And then the ketamine assisted psychotherapy, she was like, yeah, this one actually could be beneficial for you to do as well. And it's so interesting because I'd already started a ketamine assisted psychotherapy training mm-hmm. and I was already in it. Mm-hmm. And she, and again, based on the card that I pulled, she was like, yeah, this will be, and I didn't tell her any of that. I didn't tell her yeah. anything. Yeah. And so that was helpful for me to kind of gain some clarity yeah. about where I should focus my time and, and yeah. attention at this point in my That's career. Nice. So <laughs> it was, <laughs> I wish I would have had this lady. <laughs> <laughs> so I highly recommend her. She's fantastic. And she yeah. does most of her work over zoom. So, um, Great. Nikki Slattery. I'll give her a shout yeah. out. She's great. She's in the Cincinnati <laughs> area. Uh, cool. And so, yeah, so that was really kind of the, it was like the green light for the parts of me that for over a year had doubts and had, you know, beliefs and beliefs within me of like, that's not what a therapist does. Yeah. With regards to the podcast. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 And I don't know if you had any, uh, you've had any of that maybe within you of like, that's not what a therapist does. And that's not what a therapist sounds like, or you know what I mean? Just kind yeah, of, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've had that more with like, especially because I mean, you do this on your podcast too. And many hosts do where you're sharing about yourself. Right. right. So it's like mm-hmm. if clients hear that then. And, and yes, also being able to find your own authentic voice as a therapist, I can definitely relate to that too. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a message that we're taught traditionally as therapists train in graduate school of like, no, you don't really share stuff about yourself. And right. That's never felt in alignment with me. Same. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. And, yeah. and so that's always been something that my system has struggled with mm-hmm. when working with clients And so, yeah, that was something, one of the things that I worked with my IFS therapist on was just kind of those, yeah, historical beliefs that were given to us, I think, as, as therapists of like, again, what a therapist sounds like, what a therapist looks like and what a therapist does. And that is changing. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, the model of IFS really helps to shift it too, right? Like this model of like, I'm sitting over here with all the knowledge and all of the, I don't have any issues Mm -hmm. or if I did it, they have all been worked through and let me impose my wisdom onto you. Right. Let me tell you, yeah. (laughs) Let me tell you what to do and let me tell you all the right answers. And it's like, uh, (laughs) and that's one thing that I love about IFS is that we, it's that it's the constraint release model as opposed to a traditional deficit model which a lot of other ther- uh, types of therapy are more deficit models where it's this belief that the individual that you're working with has a deficit, meaning they don't know, they don't know, they don't know, and they need you to tell them what they need to know. And, yeah. and there, there is, uh, you know, some resource, or I guess that can be positive and useful in some cases for certain things, mm-hmm. but it's not going to do the healing. Like someone else is not going to do the healing for you. And what I love about IFS being a constraint release model 
is it's helping the person bring awareness to what are the parts of them that maybe are creating the constraints. And then with like that self-compassion and love and curiosity, it helps release and soften some of those constraints because then there is that self-energy, that wise one, that healing that's already there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So yeah. That yeah. I love it. It's super cool. And um, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Cause it's very, I mean, yeah, I didn't find IFS till a year and a half into having my own business. And I had already started the podcast, which I have zero regrets about, but I would do it much differently. I would not force myself to do weekly episodes. I would sooner do less solo episodes because I didn't love those. In fact, I I don't do any solo episodes now. I only, I have my intern come and interview me. So we talk about topics in a conversational form, yeah. like just tuning into like what felt right. Like I, I was intuitive in other ways, but in terms of my business, some of that went out the door. I was like, you just do what the people tell you to do, the marketing yeah. experts. And I listened to a lot of that, but that's another thing that I think I wasted a lot of time and energy on. I know I did, but alas, yeah. we're here and I'm getting more and more clarity. And um, yeah, interestingly, like I think retreats is a retreat, not like making it a huge part of my business, but I think that's one place I'll be going soon, but maybe I should check in. Right. I mean, it's yeah. worth it. <laughs> with the tarot cards or Pull a tarot card, you know, and ask yeah. the deck, you know, is this something I should invite into my business right now? And yeah. yeah, maybe just notice what pops up with that. But yeah, yeah, there's so many things now, even like with social media. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like you could have a presence as a therapist on social media now, and like yep. that's okay, <laughs> right? Uh, there's so different. many, yeah. There's so many ways to not just be in that traditional one-to-one therapy environment anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's and it's drastically changed so quickly. I was just actually actually related to your um, expertise in meditation. I, I was just listening to an interview with oh, Dr. Willoughby, someone who's at Brown. I forget her last name, and the Tim Ferriss podcast about like adverse events with um, meditation, like Mm. extreme meditation retreats and psychedelics. And, um, I was just more so reflecting. It was interesting. They don't talk about it from a parts model, but I, I think of things a lot from a parts model of like, which parts got activated. Tim Ferriss had like a very adverse reaction and a trauma that came up during an extended meditation retreat that also included fasting that also included like Mm. intense, silent retreats for several days. Um, which is obviously different than other forms of meditation. So that was interesting in itself of how I think a parts model is really helpful to understand that, but also, um, and he basically had like an exiled, like abuse uh, memory that came up in very intensely. And, um, but there was a lot of protector parts that seemed to come up first to sort of say like, we're not quite ready for this. And he kind of pushed Mm -hmm. through that's at least how I would interpret it. Mm -hmm. But, um, but what's interesting though is just having this um, psychologist really be open about her personal and professional experience in a way that like even 10 or 15 years ago was not happening because I was a big podcast listener like you just don't there's so it's just been an explosion of sort of like I think people authentically sharing their experience as professionals mm-hmm. um, in a way that is really exciting and um, yeah. really very new so I just 
I don't know, just kind of striking me of like, I remember the first, one of the first um, psychologists I ever saw who was like actually sharing her personal experience in a TED talk was really not that long ago. Um, I remember being like, oh, cause I kind of always maybe, I guess maybe had that urge to like bridge the the research and the authentic mm-hmm realness of being a human so yeah and you know it's interesting because like we were talking about a little bit ago I had my systems always felt conflicted in my work as a therapist early on with that message we receive of like yeah you don't share stuff about yourself with your clients and uh and because that just didn't feel right to me and Mm -hmm. of course obviously you're not making the therapy session about you Right. But there can be times where having that sharing, I feel like invites a deeper connection with the person that you're working with or mm-hmm. the listeners that are listening to this podcast, you know, that they're mm-hmm. like, oh, you're not just this robot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, you're a person. And oh, you've mm-hmm. gone through this and felt that. Oh, me too. Mm-hmm. And that was another message that I received through another healer that I've worked with before where um, she does theta healing. Her name is Tammy Waldron. And I had never heard of theta healing before. And I've interviewed her actually on the podcast too about this because I I was able to experience it with her and it was really interesting. And just in a nutshell though, like one of the messages that was like, quote unquote, like downloaded or received from that session was my authenticity invites connection. And Mm -hmm. again, it was just kind of this like, validating thing to hear of Mm -hmm. you're right authenticity invites connection yeah and i just i really i really resonate with that yeah totally and that like sort of intuition with the standard messages you'd been given as many of us are as therapists you're like doesn't really fit for me Mm -hmm. and i can yeah definitely relate to that and yeah, because those messages can be so strong, like can be an interesting experience to break out of that and do mm-hmm. what you've done, which is say, I'm going to reflect a lot on it and then I'm going to have a podcast. And it sounds like probably even before that, I'm probably going to share some about myself in session and that feels right to me. And yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I can share more, I guess, in a way, like on the podcast, as I'm able to share then in a therapy session, right? Because, you know, it's their session, I'm wanting to be there for them as a guide, and helping the individual connect with their parts, and when appropriate, or helpful, I'll share things in session. But on a podcast, I feel like if I'm interviewing someone, and I can relate, and or I've done what they're talking about, then I feel like, okay, I want to share that so that it just maybe helps even like my, me and my system, like really take it in and understand it as I'm talking with this expert, but then to also invite that opportunity for the listeners to hear it used in a way that is in real life, if that makes sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Uh, yeah. It makes the interviews more story-based, like more, mm-hmm. that's, we learn more from real life examples and story. Yeah. So there's like the normalization piece of like me too, but yeah, sounds like you're a teacher at heart too. Right. And so meditation teacher and love that. Yeah. Yeah. 
I love it too. <laughs> hey everyone, are you a therapist, dietitian, or helping professional that works with people with disordered eating or some degree of eating or weight concern? If so, I have a free tool for you that I had way too much fun developing. So if you have clients who say things like, I really like intuitive eating, but ultimately I want to lose weight, or in your opinion, you notice that they have a really hard time not focusing on weight loss and it really gets in the way of them doing the things they want to do or getting in touch with their body, but you're not always sure the best ways to support or guide them because maybe you understand why they want to lose weight, you know, given our culture, um, but you also want to help them build up their ability to trust their body. So maybe you've tried things like empathizing with them, telling them the science about dieting or weight loss, but maybe they're wanting a little more direction from you and you're feeling a bit stuck. So how can you help them explore what's right for them without imposing your own agenda onto them, which tends to backfire? So I created this free step-by-step -step guide to guide you through my favorite exercise, which is based on internal family systems theory or kind of the parts psychology as some people call it. And it helps you help your client navigate this nuanced dynamic that's very personal with the different parts of them that, you know, maybe want peace with food, but other parts that still really want to lose weight. This is my number one favorite way to help clients build self-trust while taking the pressure off of you as the provider to know the exact right advice to give or say. So grab this exercise for free, including exactly how to do it at drhondorp.com forward slash parts. That's D-R-H-O-N-D-O-R-P.com forward slash parts. So grab it for free today. And if you use it with a client, make sure you shoot me an email and let me know. All right, let's get back to the episode. Awesome. Well, um, and how, I mean, you said the podcast has been very good, it sounds like. And like I said, you've done some really cool, I was just listening to your interview with Frank Anderson this morning. I didn't finish mm. it, but I was really enjoying it so far. You've had Dick Schwartz on your podcast. You've had some pretty big names in the IFS field. Um, what's been, I guess, your favorite thing about the podcast? Having it? Mm. Honestly, my favorite thing about the podcast is that I get like a one-to-one -one private masterclass. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Like with these people that yeah. I, you know, I read their books and I take their trainings and then it's like, holy cow, I can sit here with them. And for an hour, an hour and a half, sometimes two hours, like I can have this private in the moment it's private because, and then it's shared with the listeners, but, oh, I'm just so grateful for that opportunity <laughs> to oh, meet with people yeah. like that. And mm -hmm. my conversation with Frank Anderson that we were just talking about sharing things personally. That one for me was a big episode uh, mm -hmm. that was very personal for me in regards to what I shared with Frank about my life in connection to what he talks about in terms of what I was interviewing him on, which was about like sexual orientation and an IFS. And I just, I felt comfortable with him and he's someone who has and I share this with him on the episode in the beginning of our conversation, he's the first person I came across in my IFS training because he has so much for the IFS community in regards to books and workshops and things that are available to people who 
maybe haven't gotten into a level one, Mm -hmm. they can, you know, take a lot of his trainings online. And so, yeah, I was, I had a connection with him that he wasn't aware of, you know, just from someone using his resources. And yeah, that conversation was really, like I said, just really personal for me. And I was grateful to be able to sit with Frank and connect in the way that we did. Oh yeah. Right. Well, what you shared made it more real and everyone should go listen, but I don't know if you want to give people like a quick snapshot into what you, what he shared and what you shared. I don't know if it's, it's hard to probably summarize, but yeah. And again, it was, I, I I definitely recommend listening to it because uh, we were able to talk for an hour or more about it, but it was just me really connecting with what he wrote in the altogether us book in his chapter about sexual orientation and IFS and its connection to me personally and in in my life within my family. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I would just I would just really recommend that people go check it out because he's yeah. he's so easy to listen to. He's funny, he's kind, and like I said, he just he made it easy for me to share. Mm-hmm. I felt comfortable. So yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, and it, it even as I was listening this morning, it was just making me it was just that reminder of this IFS model and this work, how it continues to just provide these like compassionate trailheads and roads towards like certain external things, like reading a chapter will, you know, bring up an awareness in us of like, oh, there's another part of me that needs my attention. And that's essentially what you shared there. Mm -hmm. And um, just, there's many ways that that can happen. And um, especially when you have the, the right framework and model to, to do that work, it's a gift. And, uh, a connecting gift so I thought it was a cool and you um I feel like there's a couple things I want to come back to but this might relate to it you talk about three different ways to connect with parts and I'm I'm wondering if we can go there next and hear about that absolutely so like I mentioned a little bit ago I was trained as a certified meditation instructor specializing in mindfulness and that was a year-long training and it was amazing. And I loved it because I had already been dabbling in meditation before that on my own, just through my own self-study. And then having that formal training just Mm -hmm. was really like put the cherry on top for me. Mm -hmm. So I had that background. I was leading those meditations, you know, at the university for students, faculty, and staff loved it. And then finding IFS, it is, like I said before, it's very meditative, meaning you can use meditation in various forms, in various ways to bring connection inwards to our parts, to our self-energy. And so in IFS, there are tons of meditations. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, like when you go through your level one training, I think they start every they start every day and end every day with a meditation. Mm-hmm. And you're just you just hear there's just so many ways so many ways to connect in and connect with our system. So that's where for me, I think parts of me were trying to find or were wanting to seek something more structured. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of how my brain works a lot of the time. And it, it kind of needs that structure a little bit. Yeah. And so I came across, or I guess what I created in my own mind was kind of this, this three different types of meditation 
styles Mm -hmm. that could help myself and then like my clients connect with their parts and their self-energy. So the first one, and I've been going back and forth on what I call each one. And I think what I call them doesn't really matter. It really just matters of like what they actually are. Uh, But the names I gave you and the names that I've called them like on Kim Daniels podcast is not what I'm calling them now. <laughs> okay, <fair> so enough. <laughs> um, what I'm feeling pulled or called towards in terms of calling, let's say this first one I'm going to talk about is like an, an appointment meditation, appointment mm-hmm. meditation. And again, the title could change, but <laughs> the gist of it is if there is a part within you that you feel curious towards. Maybe it's one that you've noticed popping up a lot and it's having an impact on your life, maybe in a negative way, mm-hmm. then that could be a part of you that you're like, you know what? I'd like to spend more direct time with that specific part in meditation. Mm-hmm. So this appointment meditation is basically, you're kind of like making an appointment within yourself with that part of you. Yeah. So yeah. Basically, what that could look like is maybe you sit on the ground, maybe you sit in a chair, maybe you lie down, maybe you go for a walking, you know, version of this meditation. It's whatever works for you. Mm -hmm. So you get in whatever position you're feeling called towards. And if you close your eyes and that feels safe, you can do that. You don't have to, though. You can have your eyes just have a soft gaze and looking down at the ground about like five feet in front of you. And you invite your awareness to turn inside and to specifically turn towards and invite a connection with that specific part. And with that, then I use Jenna Remersma's notice no need technique, her shorthand in IFS. Mm -hmm. I find that to be really helpful. I've also interviewed her on my podcast about that. Because I use it with everybody because it's so simple. So you notice first, as you turn towards this, this target part that you're wanting to get to know, you notice it, meaning, do you see it in your mind's eye? Does it come forward? Does it have an image? Or maybe do you hear it as words or thoughts? Do you feel it as a feeling or a sensation somewhere in your body or around your body? So you notice how is that part presenting itself to you in that moment, in that meditation. And as you bring awareness to it, you then notice how are you feeling towards that part in that moment? And if it's anything other than curiosity, compassion, openness, connectedness, if maybe you're noticing that you're feeling frustrated towards it or fearful towards it, angry towards it then that means there's another part present and that's fine. But that just means we need to shift our attention away from that target part to now towards that other part of us that maybe feels frustrated, let's say. And again, maybe we notice how do we feel towards that one, but we can ask that part. Do you care to maybe shift that energy back or step out, give space And sometimes parts just need to be acknowledged and they're like, yep, sure, that's fine. And we just maybe feel that shift of that frustration kind of soften. And then we can direct our attention back to that target part. If that other one who's frustrated is like, no, I got stuff to say. All right, well, now your meditation is now towards that part and that's fine. 
But let's say we're connecting back to that target part and you're now feeling open, you're feeling curious towards it. Then you can ask it the question of, what do you want me to know about yourself? What do you want me to know? And again, you just, you extend that question and then you just notice what comes forward from that part and you listen, you listen. And then you can ask the the other question of what do you need from me? What do you need from me? It's not what do you need from someone else? Cause we can't control someone else, right? You ask the part, what do you need from me? Maybe in order to feel safer or softer and whatever energy it's presenting or behaviors. And again, you just listen. You listen to what the part has to say about what it needs from you. And as you do that in the meditation, again, you just, you be with the part, you listen and you thank it. Send it appreciation, send it love, gratitude that it came forward and shared this with you. And then you can also set an intention with the part to connect back with it, maybe in another way. Maybe it's letting the part know, okay, I'm setting the intention right now to turn towards you again with my IFS therapist in our next session. Or I'm going to set the intention right now to journal with this part at another time um, or to do another meditation with it even deeper, maybe later that day or the next day or whatever. So kind of setting an intention, if that's something that makes sense for you in that part. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's an example in a nutshell of kind of using that appointment meditation type with a part of you that you're noticing. Mm-hmm. And I think using Jenna's notice no need technique is a great way to just very have the shorthand. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's a, I like I do like that. Those are yeah, it's a little bit shorter than the long other. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Because if you try to do yeah, if you try to and I think that's where some of my clients get parts of them get overwhelmed with this mm-hmm. idea of oh my gosh, like I'm supposed to like do all of these things that we do in therapy, like on my own. And it's like, well, no, because that's going to, that's going to be hard. It is Mm -hmm. helpful to have a guide, Mm -hmm. you know, but in those times of self-meditation, that's where, yeah, having that shorthand technique of notice, no need. It's, it's not overwhelming. I find to, to parts because it's easy to remember and they are significant things to, ask and be aware of. And then you, like I said, you can set the intention afterwards to go deeper later on. Yeah, for sure. I have a question for you, for you at this point in your journey, do you ever use guided IFS meditations, like listening to, um, listening to a guided one versus doing it on your own? What does that look like for you? Oh yeah. Yeah. So there's some great ones out there. Uh, Mm -hmm. Dick Schwartz. Yeah. yeah. Dick Schwartz has a ton Mm -hmm. of recorded guided meditations and uh, oh gosh, there's so many, there's so many out there, which is so cool. So yeah, I think think in my mind, you were just like doing it all just on your own. So I was just curious because I do do both. There's a a few times I can do it on my own now without a, a guide, but it's more rare. 
So I was just curious. Oh, yeah. in my mind, you're like this practice person and you don't need a guide. <laughs> but I guess oh gosh, no. I mean, and it just depends, right? So it depends on what I'm noticing that's happening within me. Yeah. So, you know, I, I do, I have a lot of practice with doing just the turning in meditation with my experience being a meditation instructor. So mm-hmm. that's where I, I do utilize that. And that is comfortable for me. Mm-hmm. And then there's times where I'm like, I need to listen to someone in this moment to kind of help me really connect with, mm-hmm. with whatever it is that's in there. So then I will for sure utilize those guides Yeah, and, you know, a little shout out to my podcast again on my podcast. I do have a, a, a guided meditation for connecting with self energy. Oh, cool. And I think that's like episode number two. So it's very, okay. or very early on. Um, oh, but yeah, I think I call it like a walking path. It's like one of the walking path meditations for self energy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, again, that's something that is, I didn't make that up. Like that's something that is within the IFS community. I just wanted to have something on there that again, I could share with listeners and with clients to be like, Hey, yeah, when you need it, turn on this meditation mm-hmm. in order to help parts give space and to connect with those self-energy qualities. So that's a, the, one of the other three types of meditations that, um, that I kind of have in those categories before we get to that one though. So we, we've talked about the appointment meditation where you have a specific part in mind. Then there's another one that I call kind of just like the open meditation where mm-hmm. let's say there's not a specific part, you know, that you're feeling drawn towards or curious about, but you mm-hmm. are wanting to spend some time with your internal system. Mm-hmm. Again, you get into your seated position or lying down or standing, whatever works for you. And you turn inside and you can just extend, <laughs> you can extend this message within of like, I'm here. I'm present. I'm open again, checking in if you feel open. And maybe if there is something there that is already like, I'm here, (laughs) then you turn towards that. Right. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. there can be this just kind of openness meditation style where you just, again, yeah, you turn in and you ask that question of who needs my attention right now. And you just notice again, does an image pop in your mind? Do you hear a thought words? Do you feel a sensation or a feeling in your body or around your body? Right. And then you just do the whole same process with with whatever it is that comes into your awareness. You notice how you feel towards it. Once you feel like you're connected with it, with that curiosity or compassion, openness, you do notice no need. You spend time with it. You Mm -hmm. connect with it. And, you know, I asked Dick Schwartz on my podcast when I interviewed him you know, how does he connect with his parts? Cause I was like, I was like, I mean, if he's here and he invented this, I want to hear like how he does this on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. <laughs> and he talked about how he does a morning turning in meditation, similar to what I just described, but he calls it like a staff meeting, you know, kind of vibe mm-hmm. where he'll, I think he said like his alarm goes off. He's still laying in bed, I think. And before he like looks at his phone and and all of that, he'll just like take a moment and turn inside. And I can't remember maybe if he did look at his phone first or not. I don't know. But basically he's like, yeah, I just kind of turn inside with that openness and just ask, does anyone need to share anything with me? Does mm-hmm. anyone need to let me know anything? Mm-hmm. And that's how he starts his day. Mm-hmm. So you can incorporate things like that and in whatever makes sense for you 
you know, again, you don't have to be sitting on a meditation cushion in a specific meditation space. You can be laying in your bed first thing in the Mm -hmm. morning, your alarm goes off, do what Dick does, you know, and I've, I practice that as well. I'll take a moment in the morning to just like put a hand on my heart and turn in and be like, good morning, everyone. (laughs) I kind of have this, like, (laughs) yeah, this, this self-talk of like, good morning, everyone. I love you so much. Uh, you know, and just kind of have that brief check-in of like, am I noticing anything already based Mm -hmm. on just starting my day? Mm -hmm. And then at Mm -hmm. night, when I go to sleep, I've had for a long time, a gratitude practice where, um, I'll do the acronym of glad where it's basically like, I list off like one thing that I'm grateful for that day. One thing that I learned, one thing I accomplished and something that brought me joy and delight. And in that, I feel like I'm connecting with my self energy of gratitude and compassion. And then I'll also have that check-in of like, are there parts of me that are present from the day or leading into tomorrow that are there? And again, you can spend some more time with them in whatever way makes sense. Um, Or I've also like said to parts, especially if it's like going into nighttime and I need to go to sleep. I'll send them that message of like, I hear you, I feel you, and I'm taking note of you. And maybe I literally get my phone out in the notes section and like write it down. Mm -hmm. And I let the part know, like, I'm going to come back to you Mm -hmm. because I need to sleep right now. Mm -hmm. And I can a lot of the times feel that shift within of like, okay, thank you for bringing awareness to me. Or maybe sometimes parts are like, yeah, but I need you to know this thing. And I need this from you. And maybe, yeah, in that moment, maybe there needs to be some, some more time spent with that part and way that it needs in order to feel softer or safer. But yeah, that's kind of this like open meditation style of Mm -hmm. just kind of turning in Mm -hmm. and just extending awareness and noticing who shows up and you can incorporate that like I, like Dick does in the morning at night throughout the day, yeah, whatever works. Would you say that one's a little more advanced, maybe, or not necessarily? No, I mean, again, it's kind of just, you got to just start practicing this. Yeah. Because, you know, it, yeah. it feels a little more advanced to me at my, like, I think that, but I don't know. I also wonder if people, and maybe even a little bit me, because like me being like, but I don't know if I can do that every single day. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. And there's going to be some days, right. We're like, it doesn't happen. Sure. Uh, you know, yeah. it, it, yeah. we forget, you know, and mm-hmm. we just are doing stuff and, and, and that's fine. It doesn't yeah. mean that then you're failing or yeah. that you're doing it wrong or, you know, it, it's just, it's, and then maybe though you notice, is there a part maybe blocking that turning in? Yeah. Right. For whatever reason, maybe it's a manager part. That's like, no, no, no. We got to do, 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 you yeah, know, we don't have time, right. I'm we sure don't have time probably, for this. There probably still is for me. Um, I would guess, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's yeah. It's so interesting too. Cause I think for many people right now, I'm taking a small group of people through the no bad parts book. And so, and most, many of them were completely new to the model. And so I'm aware that, many of them, including me still have a part that's like, 
it still sounds hokey and strange to refer to like hey everyone I kind of am leaning towards like also having a part that like really loves it um because mm-hmm. I'm like I've experienced I'm sort of obsessed with like effectiveness and efficiency and it just like works so I'm like I'm on board um but yet yes I'm just noticing those parts of of me and also noticing that those parts come up I think a lot for people that are totally new to this model. oh yeah for sure and that's why I always ask when I've had a first session with someone where I've led them in connecting with a part and that's their first time ever doing that in like like guided way like that I asked them at the end, I'm like, so what was that like? You know, what are your feelings about that? And, and ultimately for so many people, they're spe- they then speak for a part that's like, that was so weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Or like, there's a part of me that's like skeptical, or there's a part of yeah. me that is trying to make sense of this. And, but again, though, it's like, okay, that's awesome. Let's mm-hmm. turn towards that part of you <laughs> mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. acknowledge that part. Cause maybe it's connected to our culture and the fact that like, we're not taught to do this in this way. It's very different. It's very different. Yeah. And then we get to the third one. Yes. Where I'm calling it just like a self meditation where basically it's an opportunity to invite your parts to give you space. Mm -hmm. So instead of turning towards a part and wanting to spend time with a part specifically, you know, there is definitely benefit to, inviting our parts to step to the side or to stand around us or to stand behind us, give us some space so that we can take some time to focus on our self energy qualities within us. So that's where I love a couple different ways of doing this. One of them is that walking path meditation that I have on my, on my podcast. Yeah, it's asking the parts to just kind of wait in this nature space and Mm -hmm. you're walking through nature. You're walking up like a hill on a walking path and you come across these various, these qualities of self-energy and you just use that time to notice like when you come across the energy of compassion, you know, the quality of compassion, where do you feel compassion in your body? do you feel it in your heart space? Do you feel it in your arms? Do you, you know, do you feel it radiating all around you? And then you come across the next one. Maybe that's curiosity. Again, notice where do you feel curiosity within you or around you? And I have found that that can be really helpful in, I know for me and with a lot of my clients that utilize this, when they're feeling maybe blended with some parts, that's where that can be really helpful to be like, okay, you turn in, you ask those parts. Can you please just give me some space? I'm not rejecting you. I'm not sending you away. I just literally am asking you to just invite this spaciousness where you can be next to me and let me connect with these self energy qualities within me and breathe with that and feel that connection grow and light up and, you know, cause that is a resource for our parts. Mm-hmm. It's a mm-hmm. resource for our parts. Yeah. And so in the past, this is where I've been kind of thinking about this a lot recently where, you know, in, in certain types of meditation, it can be done from kind of like a manager mindset 
where it's, you can get into like the spiritual bypassing type thing Mm -hmm. where you're doing these things like mantras or breathing techniques to ignore or bypass what is there that actually does need your attention, but might feel painful Mm -hmm. or intense. Mm -hmm. And so then sometimes we can utilize those techniques to just be like, nope, nope, I'm just going to ignore you. But you never turn towards it, right? With IFS and with these, you know, self-energy, this idea of like self-energy meditation, it's not to ignore, it's not to reject the parts. It's to help invite a connection to that healing energy within that calmness, that clarity, that connectedness, so that then you can connect with the parts. Yeah. Yeah. It's so you can have that connection with Mm -hmm. the parts. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference. That's what I feel like is a big difference. It's interesting that we're having this conversation today, because even this week on that little small group, I mentioned um, the topic of meditation, these adverse responses podcast was discussed there, but also I was reflecting on my experience many years ago, taking a mindfulness-based stress reduction course, um, the eight week course. And I you know, I was doing my internship year. Um, I tried my best to be a good student and do the meditations outside of the classes. Um, but I'd always fall asleep. I was quite tired and I was doing them like really early in the morning. I literally fell asleep on my apartment, very small apartment wood floor a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just that tired. Um, and they actually had a full day retreat, mostly silent. I'll guide you through some different meditations. And I purposely left halfway through. I had planned to, because I was like, I'm just not ready for that. Like, I don't know. There was a part of me that actually never could get myself to meditate regularly. Like that's Mm -hmm. something on my podcast where I ask, like, what's something you do that, you know, maybe you feel good about. And a lot of people say meditation. And I'm always like, yeah, it doesn't do it for me until finding I at best because the meditations for me, I mean, honestly, they, I feel like I get something out of it. Like I never right. felt like I got anything out of regular. I shouldn't say nothing. Right. Because I probably got something out of some of the meditations, but not enough to keep me. It didn't feel worth my time. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Um, well, and maybe there was a part of me blocking too, because I needed to like the well, intuitive wisdom. But I also think there's these messages that when you meditate, you're supposed to have like nothingness, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the, I feel like there's this belief out there and that when you meditate, you're meant to have no thoughts in your brain. And that's just not possible <laughs> because yeah, our brain right. is active and we have feelings and we have all these parts within us. And, and so I feel like that's where then people can get frustrated because they're like, I can't do this. You yeah. know, I, I sit down and there's all these things that come forward. And then that can, then I feel like activate a manager part within someone that then has this expectation of what meditation should look like and feel like, and it's not happening Yeah. and they're not doing it quote unquote the right way. And so then they're just like, I can't do this, screw it. And they just give it up. And Mm -hmm. so that's where, yeah, I, I love IFS in the way they look at meditation and turning inwards because it's like, instead of just viewing these things as leaves on a stream that just need to keep going, we can turn towards the leaves and not blend with the leaves necessarily and be the leaf, but we can spend time with the leaf 
and better understand the leaf. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and that is so beneficial. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I at times here and there taught a little bit of meditation. That's partly why I was like not much, but like here and there in like a group therapy setting, I might lead one. And I would tell people what you just said. And I knew that I knew that like you could be doing it right and have thoughts the whole time. But ultimately, I have a part of me that's probably a man, for sure a manager, that's super obsessed with efficiency. And I'm like, I'm not getting anything out of this. Like, whereas again, with IFS, I, I don't get something out of every meditation, right? Like there's many times where I'm like, I get, I mean, I get something out of it, but not more clarity but anyway it's just been it's been interesting to me because it's been a really different and it could be where I'm at in my life but honestly I don't think I don't think it is because yeah. I tried meditation many many times in many different ways um and I was just like it's not taken <laughs> yeah and yeah. now I'm doing it definitely not super super regularly but a lot more regularly and I found different ways that really work for me, even for me, it's like mm-hmm. sort of a combination of, at least from where I'm at in my journey right now, it's usually a combination of like tuning in with a part, writing down, mapping it, doing a little journaling mm-hmm. and then tuning back in. So it's like, that seems to be where what's working right now. Yeah. And it's whatever works for the individual. And that's where I yeah. always encourage people to just experiment, like have fun with it, be playful, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and be open because there is no, like, this is exactly how you need to do it, you know, type thing mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that just it doesn't exist. Yeah. So yeah, you know, it's okay to invite time to invite your parts to step back and give you space. I think it's Mike Elkin who has this meditation in particular, it's like the bubble meditation where you can like, imagine there's like this thin film of bubble that just surrounds your body. And as you inhale and exhale, that bubble gets a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. And that represents like your self energy space. And it just gently nudges your parts to just give a little bit more space, a little bit more space where they can still see you. They can still feel connected to you, but they're just, you're, you're gently inviting them to give you a little bit more space and then inviting them to recognize and notice how does that feel for them Mm -hmm. to be able to be present with your growing self-energy within that moment that that is actually like I said before it's a resource for them Mm -hmm. and it's not meant to push them away in in the way of being like get out of here I don't want to see you I don't want to feel you it's if you give me some space and I can utilize like a breathing technique for a little bit I can utilize a mantra a visualization to kind of help me connect with those self-energy that glow within then Again, it's like, it's just, it's having an, a positive impact for the whole system. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we're going to move in a moment here to our motivation questions, but I'm curious, like, what's the main thing, if there was like one thing you wanted people to know about, you know, this model, or maybe even just like, what's accessible to them with regards to deeper healing? Like, what's one thing you wish pe- more people knew? that they are the healer that it's not anyone else like other people can be beautiful guides Mm -hmm. and resources for us just like I mentioned those other people like Nikki and Tammy and my IFS therapist and all that you know yep they all can be these beautiful guides for us and resources and helping us connect with 
that healing energy that's already there within you. So you, you don't have a deficit. Mm-hmm. You, you are the healer. And like Dick says, you are the one you've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. And that's so empowering. Yeah. And so beautiful. It is right. And then, yeah, even for, and I've had this conversation with clients and they might have parts of them that are like, but what the heck I've been doing this alone all my life, but, but it's, it's a shift and that's one part, right. And you can hear out that part and understand that part, mm-hmm. but it's really that, like, you don't have to do it alone. <laughs> and yet right. the healing power is inside of you. And it, it is, it's, and it really is going back to what we were saying earlier. It's a very different model than most of how we mm-hmm. were trained as therapists, but also just as human beings. Yeah, it's exactly. Like you have the, <laughs> the wisdom, the answer is definitely outside of you. No, and uh, it's inside and uh, it is, yeah. it is very empowering and very cool. So I love that. Um, okay. So we're going to move to our motivation questions. Yeah. Um, so what is one thing that you have truly intrinsic motivation for? So you do it for the inherent satisfaction from the behavior itself. So the first thing that came to my mind is walking. Mm-hmm. That was just the first thing that came to my mind. Like, great. Yeah. Is, is walking. I've always loved walking and mm-hmm. it just feels great. <laughs> <laughs> and so Perfect. even even Love if it. like I can't get outside and walk I will just feel this draw I'll just be like I'll stand up wherever I'm at and just walk in place you know mm-hmm. and just I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I do that every day actually <laughs> I do yeah. that every day yeah. I will eat my lunch especially if I'm here at the office I'll eat my lunch and then I'll have about like maybe like 35 minutes left of my lunch time that I've created and and I'll just walk around my office just to move my body because it feels good. Like, mm. And I and it's not something that I feel like I should do. Yeah. It really just is that like, like you said, intrinsic, just kind of it's there and I love it. And so, yeah, cool. it's walking, so, yeah. moving my no body. Treadmill, no, no treadmill needed just to create your own movements and you can do yeah. it in place. Have you always been like that? Have you always loved it? Uh, yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah. That's something that's just. I've always loved. That's cool. I love walking too, but I don't usually walk in. Like I don't feel that inside, but yeah, mm-hmm. like it's mostly outside. Yeah. Our weather's getting a little, but yeah, no, that's mm-hmm. very cool. It shows so much like creativity and like, Hey, you don't need much, right? Yeah. You don't need make much. it happen. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, our next question is from a should to a choose to integrated motivation. So this is an example of a behavior that used to be a should for you that you struggled to do, but you figured out a way to do it more consistently because you value it and, or it's part of your identity, even if you don't always necessarily love it. So I don't know if this is a great example, but this is what comes to my mind immediately. And that's Mm -hmm. note-taking and like paperwork. That that, that fits right. You, You value getting it done. Yeah. I value getting it done. Um, it's not particularly fun. <laughs> it's not fun. I, for my, me either. Maybe for no. some people, <laughs> maybe for some people, but like as a therapist, you have to do notes and there's mm-hmm. paperwork involved and, uh, <laughs> it's something where I just have parts of me that are like, why, 
dread. <laughs> like, right. why? But I will say, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's it's something to where I have, especially going into my own private practice now, um, I was doing it in a way that was very traditional. When I worked at the counseling center, I was just writing things down on a, on a piece of paper as I, you know, was with clients and, mm-hmm. but then I'd have to use time obviously to then write or type the, that information into their chart and whatnot. And when I worked at the university, it actually, it somehow worked out well where I could just write it immediately. And mm-hmm. I had that time and mm-hmm. the way I've structured my private practice, I don't oddly enough have that time. I've kind of same. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> I just haven't structured it that way. Think. You would right. think we yeah. would have done that for ourselves, but yeah. Alas. So, <laughs> but I kept doing it in that other, the, the traditional way, but I was realizing it was causing like, I was spending like two hours extra a week, like on Sundays, like writing my notes and it was taking away time with my family. Yeah. And so I went to, <laughs> I went to the Apple store and I was like, I was like, I need help. This is my issue. And they, I'm holding up like my little iPad right now, but, mm-hmm. um, and they were like, here, use this. And it has been a game changer and my parts love it. They love the efficiency of it where I can mm-hmm. just like quickly type on my little iPad on a word document, like the, the stuff I want to take note of. And then I can send that to my HIPAA compliant, you know, confidential email that I use and then take that and then put it in the chart. And it's like, it's done. And it has saved me two hours a week. So it's something that I, I yeah. do need to be doing professionally as a therapist. We have to, we have to take notes right? right. and we, we have to keep that stuff in charting. So, but the parts of me that are like, Ugh, <laughs> that would avoid it yeah. until Sunday and then would have shame and criticism and judgment about it. I so do you like, do it after yeah. each session then now? Well, not always after each session, but I'll yeah. do it like at the end of the day. And it's so quick though now because it's already yeah. there written in a document and I just literally just like copy and paste it into the chart. Okay, nice. So yeah, you just built around systems and mm-hmm. is there a way that you were like, I need to, well, you were like, I don't value, you know, spending this time doing this on Sunday, especially because you hate it. Yeah. It sounds like, yeah, it's consistent with your values to keep up with it and also keep up with it in a way that's less taxing. Exactly. Less taxing to your personal life too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that was what came to my mind. I don't know if that's a good example, but no, I think it absolutely is because, and it shows like, that's how we sometimes integrate. Sometimes we can teach ourselves to like a behavior that we don't necessarily naturally love. And sometimes we can't, right. So we can create systems around it and there's systems to make it easier. Or sometimes it's like reminding yourself, I'm going to feel, I used to do this with notes. Like I'm going to feel so good once I get these done, (laughs) like sort of picturing the feeling after, um, because yeah, there's things that we have to do simply for the, not for the outcome, but just, yeah, exactly. So Mm -hmm. very cool. Um, and then finally, a main part of the mission on this podcast is to help more people reclaim trust with their bodies so they can live more courageous and connected lives. Can you share an example where having more body trust has allowed you to be more courageous and or connected? Yeah. So what comes to my mind with that question is this combination of both 
spending time and resource that's available for me being able to understand. And we were kind of talking about this before we hit record, but to understand my body from like a biological, just already structured level. So, Mm -hmm. and the psychological in terms of parts. So I've been really viewing myself and others in terms of like, for sure, those two things of Mm -hmm. like, we have just our biological structure. Mm -hmm. And so it's, for me, it's like understanding through like doing food sensitivity tests or toxic, you know, toxicity tests of like, I've, I've done brain EEGs. Like, so I can really understand the best that I can. How is my body just naturally wired? And maybe some of that also is connected to environmental, you know, maybe traumas or stressors or whatever, but to better understand maybe what are some of the things that are just biological that are there that my body is just wired to having sensitivities to or allergies to inflammation to, because then that's going to help me better understand the parts of me that are connected to maybe judging or shaming how my body reacts and responds to some of those things. Mm -hmm. So that's where for me, having that self-awareness on these various levels Mm -hmm. of, yeah, really the best that we can understanding like our biological structure, neurological structure, you know, and then also recognizing the parts of us that are connected to that Mm -hmm. is really helpful for me. And it's been a game changer for me. Yeah. Yeah. Just this example of like, there's so many you know, increasing tools and technologies that can help give us external data about our body that we wouldn't necessarily be able to like quantify otherwise, like a sensitivity test or even an EEG or any other test. And and these other biofeedback tools, like I wear the aura yeah. ring, I've been wearing it yeah. for like almost five years. And mm-hmm. that's been really helpful for me to, again, have this better understanding biologically of like, if I decide to have a glass of wine, you know, uh, one night, I know that it is going to have an impact on my heart rate variability that evening. And it's going to impact my breathing. Like it's going to inflame my sinuses. Mm -hmm. And instead of waking up, maybe feeling confused or again, like shameful or like, Oh, what is wrong with me? You know, type thing. I now can like experiment with you know, noticing what are these things that I'm making decisions and ingesting that I know will, okay, yeah, I'm choosing in a self-led way to have this glass of wine tonight. And I know that probably I'm going to snore <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and my partner mm-hmm. might get annoyed with me, you know, in some way, or mm-hmm. I might wake up with a slight headache because just having one glass can really inflame my body. Mm-hmm. And I know that now. And yeah, right to reduce so, that shame. Yeah, it reduces the shame if we can kind of have that um awareness of our mm-hmm. of our bodies in just a natural state. And then also, of course, noticing the parts of us that are connected to that. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I'm, I'm my brain's thinking of like all these parallels to a lot of the work that I do. It makes me think even of like people that have like had different genetic testing and like learned different things about their bodies tendencies or even metabolism or things like that and how it it often can reduce shame um so that's very cool yeah so I love that example well this has been really fun where can people find you in the work that you're doing obviously your podcast that wellness podcast but where else should they find you and look you up 
Yeah. Well, the podcast specifically, that wellness pod, it's kind of a long title. It's like that wellness podcast with Natalie Deering, internal family systems with a twist. Oh yeah. There's this <laughs> it's a very yeah. long, t- it's a very long <laughs> title, but you can find yeah. that on Spotify, Apple. Um, mm-hmm. If you go to my website and that is ndwellnessservices.com. So mm-hmm. it's Natalie Deering, but it's ndwellnessservices.com. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a link there to the podcast and you'll be able to see all the episodes there. There's also links to be able to go to Spotify and Apple and, and things like that to follow. But yeah, I got the podcast. Um, in terms of my services that I'm providing, I provide, you know, one-to-one psychotherapy for people in the state of Kentucky. I'm also providing IFS consultation for healers, mental health providers, people within the wellness community. Uh, You can contact me and we can talk about if that would be, if that would make sense for you in terms of doing IFS consultation. Um, I do offer, you know, guided meditation experiences. I've done that for businesses. I've done that for individuals, just one-on-one. I can do meditation training, you know, with people that are interested in learning more about how to incorporate meditation into their day-to-day life. Uh, restorative yoga is something that I specialize in. I don't really do more of like the power yoga or like vinyasa yoga. I'm, I'm, I do the restorative yoga. Mm-hmm. And so I can incorporate that with people. I've done that virtually. Obviously I can do it in person if you're nearby and yeah, it's another beautiful way to connect in and to connect with parts as well as self-energy and, and all of that. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Natalie Deering Mm -hmm. and yeah, feel free to reach out to me through my website. Uh, There's a contact form on there and there's also a phone number that you can text if you want to, that's listed on there and yeah, feel free to reach out. Awesome. Well, Thank you so much for being here. I had a lot of fun with this conversation. Me too. Thank you so much, Sean. And before we finish today's episode, I have a really quick message from a special guest, my daughter. Please review from my mom's podcast. Make something from my mom's podcast, please. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in today. Your time is valuable, and it means so much to me that you're here. Despite the title of this podcast, many of our topics are not always easy. Change is hard, and let's face it, life and truly looking inward at ourselves can be uncomfortable. That's why I'm grateful. Grateful for you and your willingness to listen, learn, and keep an open mind. I invite you to learn more by going to drshawnhondorp.com or finding me on Instagram at psychology.of.wellness. If you're enjoying this podcast, it would be amazing if you could give it a review so more people can find it. Thanks, and I truly hope you have an energetic and inspired day.